Have you all become 100% agave snobs? Will the likes of a mixed-o tequila never touch your lips again? Well, get over it. There's a new tequila in town, and it's guaranteed to blow your mind. I'm Susan Schwartz, your drinking companion, and this is Lush Life Podcast. Every week, we are inspired to live life one cocktail at a time. Paul Hayes, co-founder of El Sueño Mixto Tequila, is no stranger to 100% agave tequila. He makes one already. El Sueño came about when he was looking to create an affordable, great quality tequila that he could find in his local pub. Was he successful? Hell yeah. Paul's on the show today to teach us what makes a good mixto and why it can even be better than some 100% agaves. I am so excited to have you here because tequila, am I even allowed to say this, is my favorite spirit. Yeah, you can definitely say that, of course. (laughs) Well, I don't want to alienate any of the other spirits because I do love them all in a certain way, but definitely tequila was my first love. And it probably was, and I'm going to pronounce this wrong, mixto tequila, is that right? That's right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And I'm one of those who was sick from it a thousand times and still loves it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's very impressive because that's most people's experience, right? When they first had tequila, especially seems to be the way in the UK. And that was definitely my experience as well, which is how I actually got into the whole thing in the first place. So let me tell you, I'm so excited because you're the first person in my How to Drink series that's talking about tequila. So before we go into El Sueño, tell me about you and how you got here with El Sueño. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you the the sort of the, the back history, if you like, and, and how we came to be and why we're here. So we're, we're pretty new uh, into the whole drinks, into the whole spirits industry. We have El Sueño, which launched actually... It really just launched at the start of the whole pandemic. So great timing, right? Well, we've been very fortunate through the entire thing and we have grown substantially. But we have an tequila brand as well, which I need to mention because it's part of the, the entire sort of story. And that launched in the middle of 2019. So still a relatively new brand. But the whole story actually starts from quite a long time ago. So take it back about 16, over 16 years now, in fact. I've been working with agave for that entire time, basically. But I wasn't originally from the alcohol side or from the the liquid side. It was actually from the syrup. So back then, back then, yeah, basically, I I founded a food company. I was one of the first guys to bring birch muesli to the UK, which now is like obviously pretty big. But back then was like completely unheard of. Like no one one knew what it was. And and I never intended it to be a business. It just kind of took off because I'm a big snowboarder and I go to the, well, normally I go go to the Alps every year and, and I used to make birch music for me and all my friends because it's full of energy, it's really healthy, it's really good for you. So back then, 16 years ago, like the on-the-go food market wasn't like it is now. So there wasn't, there weren't many options, right? There was like a sandwich or a croissant, basically. That was pretty much it and a coffee. And so I used to make little tubs of this stuff and take it into the office with me every morning, have it on the way or I'd have it when I got there. And before I knew it, I was sort of making this stuff for about 400 people every single day in the office. And then I started supplying local coffee shops. And then we got our first big, con- well, I got my first big contract uh, and it kind of grew from there. And I-, I sold that business about six years ago, I think now. But through the whole process, this is how I got into agave, right? So I really care about sustainability. 
and locally sourcing produce as much as possible. And even back then I did, like even when I was making it for myself, I'd use yogurt from my local area up in Cheshire um, to the point where I literally like, knew the cow's names, where the milk came from to make my yogurt type of thing. Um, all the oats were local. I used to use locally sourced fruit as much as possible, seasonal fruit. But the one thing I wouldn't use was refined sugar, basically. And now that's really obvious, right? Like sugar is sort of this evil thing it is today. But back then it wasn't. And fat was the evil thing. And everyone said, don't put fat in it, but put sugar in to add flavor. But I was the opposite because I'm, I'm kind of a bit of a fitness freak anyway. I was like, no, no, I don't care so much about the fat as long as it's not saturated. But I'm not using refined sugar. I just refuse to do it. But there weren't many alternatives. And it, and it basically got recommended to me, like, why don't you try agave syrup? Um, and I was like, oh, cool, yeah. No idea what it was. <laughs> um, definitely didn't know it was agave is what made tequila at the time. But me being me, I wanted to know everything about it. So I very quickly learned I wasn't going to get it in the UK. And there weren't many suppliers of bulk. So if I was going to do this properly, I was going to have to go to Mexico, basically, and, and work with the guys and bring it over. So, so that's what I did. And it was through that whole process that I fell in love with tequila, basically. Because let's face it, you, you can't work with the distilleries and, and not drink your body weight in tequila every single time you go there. But I was in this really weird scenario as well at the start. So like most people's experience with, with tequila back in the day, mine wasn't the best, but I, I took it to the next level because it turned out that the sort of the cheaper tequilas out there is literally the one thing in the world that I'm allergic to. So I basically just avoided all tequila. Like I didn't know what the difference between quality and cheap tequila was. So I just didn't touch it because I didn't want to risk it. And it was literally in Mexico at a distillery. It was breakfast. It was like 8 a.m. I think or something like that. And we were having breakfast. And what I thought was a bottle of water on the table, because you would, right? It's in the morning. It wasn't. I just put <laughs> a glass and, and downed it, doing my, my whole spiel like I like to do. And, you know, it takes a second for your brain to realize what's going on. So I, I downed this thing and I was like, one minute, that's not water. <laughs> and it turned out to be a tequila. And it, it was 100% agave tequila, really nice. And luckily I was fine. I didn't die, obviously. But I loved it as well. And I was like, oh, wow, like, what is this stuff? Like, this isn't like tequila that I'm used to. So then that started my whole curiosity. And I just fell in love with it. And it's literally been my drink ever since then, basically. So that's, that's how I got into it in the first place. I just have to say, I love a hotel or wherever you were staying that has tequila around for breakfast. <laughs> I, I went for a meeting early doors. In fact, I was there for the whole day. And um, they, we had like a bunch of people on the table, basically. And they're just like, oh, Paul, could you just give like a little talk about your, the food you make? Because over there, right, they had no idea what Birch, Swiss-style Birch and Muesli was. Right. So I started talking about it and, and just poured myself a glass. And I can imagine, actually, because everyone else must have known it was tequila, right? And they're probably like, what's this guy doing? And I just, yeah, damn it. <laughs> you must have been so scared. It's quite a quick reaction with me. So, like, my throat kind of closed up a bit, but my skin, like, blotches really fast. And it didn't happen. And, and the other amazing thing as well, which I noticed, obviously noticed it immediately, it was really easy to drink. It was really smooth. It wasn't, like... Like that whole like, oh, that fiery pepper thing wasn't really there. But yeah, no, it's fine. And that's, that's kind of started the whole, the whole love affair, really. Did you think, wait a sec, I want to drink that again? Or I think I'm going to drink it again and again and again? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. So the other thing that I, I get from, from tequila, part of the allergy thing, is the next morning, like my throat kind of, it, it stays swollen. So I really feel it. I feel like I've got an apple stuck in my throat, basically. That's kind of the best way of describing it. So I did wait until the next day. I was like, oh, but am I going to have this thing? And I didn't. And it was fine. And then then it started the curiosity thing, right? And I was like, oh, wow. So I wanted to learn everything I could about it, like the traditional side of it, what good tequila was, what bad tequila was, and just started 
I was in I was in Jalisco, right? So I just started going around these amazing tequila bars and just getting people to tell me all about it and and sort of educate myself. And then yeah, and then I drank a lot of it, right? That was that became my drink. <laughs> um, but when you were starting, even thinking about using agave syrup, were you fearful that you might be allergic to the agave, not the tequila? It never occurred to me, really. I just didn't mm-hmm. think like that at all, no. Because one of the things that we I had to go through back in the day is I worked with the, the, the food standards agencies, the FSA over here, really closely around the allergens and everything that went into our product, which is quite a big deal because we had oats, um, which had a site that processed nuts and things like that. So we actually created a separate site from all of that. So we, we weren't in part of all of that. So we did a lot of testing and all of that. And there's no allergens or anything like that. So I was, I was pretty confident that it was all fine. And I ate it as well, right? And I loved the agave syrup. It's fantastic. And I did use agave syrup beforehand. It just never occurred to me to use it in, in the product. I never had a problem with it. So it was never a... Yeah, I, I never thought about it, to be honest. No. <laughs> I never thought it was a garbage that the problem was, though. So what, just quickly, what my actual problem is, that like the allergy I have isn't isn't just cheap tequila, right? It's actually mm-hmm. underage agave uh, sugars. That's what they think it is, because apparently that, that allergy is fairly common. So okay. it's tequilas that uh, basically can process their agave before they reach full maturity, before the sugars are fully matured. So... It's, there's this, this process using what's called a diffuser, basically. And it's anything that put, is potentially processed through a diffuser and is underage. That's what I have to be careful of, which is one of the reasons that Sueño came to be. All right. So you downed yeah. some tequila and thought, yeah. oh, my God, I love it so much. I'm going to create a brand. <laughs> That's it. Well, well, not quite, right? So it took a long uh-huh. time. That was that was 16 odd years ago, whatever it was. And then fast forward that to about four years ago, actually probably a bit longer than that, four to five years ago. I'd sold the business and I still drinking tequila. But my business partner now with, with the tequilas, Nav, one of the reasons we're friends, we work together, but also we had this mutual love for tequila. And we were literally sat in a bar and we're talking about tequila, like, let's get some in. But they only had one of the brands behind the bar that I can't drink because I'm allergic to it. So it's just like, oh, here we go again. Like, it's tends to be the way in the uk like it's yes you can go to a good quality cocktail bar you can go to a good quality tequila bar and you'll be able to get good quality tequila that i know i can drink however that's not where most people go right and especially with me when i'm out in the countryside or wherever it's going to be local pubs and things like that so i started to beg the question is like well why is this always the case in the uk where you can go to the us and you can get you get good quality tequila like the worst dive bar right they're going to have good quality stuff there so we're quite fortunate that we're connected in the industry. So we just went out to the market and started speaking to people and saying, look, guys, like, why is why is it I can get great craft gins or whiskeys or rums over here, but not tequila? And we kept in the same thing time and time again. It's like, it's because as a category, tequila just doesn't get the same support. It doesn't have the education. So people, the consumer basically just sees it as that horrible shot they had as a student. And that's how it is. It's either that or a margarita, so basically. That's how people view it. So we were like, well, if we created a tequila brand and then a good quality one, and then we were based on the ground and we did that support work, the education work is, would that work? And literally people bit our hands off straight away, the bars and everyone were like, that's exactly what the category needs. It needs that support. So we kind of made the decision there and then. We're in a really fortunate place where we had a little bit of cash behind us. We could make this happen. The other major thing as well is, because of all the process we've been through in the importing of agave and everything, we had a lot of the certification, so the CRT licensing, because tequila is really protected. Um, it has very strong provenance, like even more so than like champagne and things like that. But we had a lot of that certification in place, and so we were in quite a unique position to make this this sort of a reality. So we kind of went, yeah, let's let's make this happen, basically, and uh, and that was it. And we kind of threw ourselves into it, but it wasn't a quick process. It took about three years to actually develop okay. a range. Yeah, and. 
and the way it started was really interesting. So we started with like, we're going we're gonna to go down the route of a premium 100% agave tequila, right? That's where we're going to go. And that's we did that. So that's what Vivir is, our, our other brand. Um, and it's fantastic. But we were kind of going through that process, probably a year into that process or so. And we're like, do you know what? Like, this is great, but it's not going to solve the problem of a quality tequila, affordable tequila in, in pubs and places like that around the UK. Because they're not likely to stock a 30 to 50 pound bottle of tequila. It's just not going to happen. Although my local pubs now actually do stock it. So, but anyway, different story. So we were like, well, we should develop something that works really well in that, in that affordable price bracket, but is one is really sustainable. So it ticks my box of, it has to be sustainable. And secondly, it's really good quality. Um, that doesn't compromise on anything in terms of ingredients in the process. And I'm kind of our own litmus test here, right? If I can drink it, <laughs> in my view at the time, it's going to be the first mix though that I wasn't allergic to, right? So so we, we developed them over time. So it was three years of development in total, basically. And then we launched Vivir in the yeah, middle of 2019 and then Suenio just at the start of the, the whole pandemic. But fortunately, they've both grown substantially. Even in the off-trade with Suenio, like going into to supermarkets and stuff like that, has done very, very well. But yeah, that's, that's kind of how we, we got into it. And that was <laughs> yeah, our reasoning behind it all. All right. Now we have to go back a little because I really want to talk about Mixto Tequila. What exactly is Mixto and why it might have made you sick and how sustainability comes into the picture here? Sure, sure. Yeah, so so there's two sort of like, let's say, crew categories of tequila, right? There's 100% agave. That's the, the, the tequila itself is made only from the sugars from the agave plant, the Weber Blue agave plant as well, specifically grown in the Jalisco region. A mixto is basically, it's still a tequila by the CRT ruling, but it's it can be 51% agave, again, Weber Blue agave, yeah. and 49% uh, alcohol derived from a sugar, basically. And, and with that, though, comes quite a few things. So Obviously, the premium side is 100%, and then the mix, though, has this this sort of name attached to it. It's like, it's not good, it's bad, it's like no one should drink it. And to be honest, most of the time, that's correct, right? Most mixtos out there, I, well, I can't physically drink, <laughs> and I just thought it was all wrong. But what started to become prevalent to me was I was getting more and more ingrained into the sector was – this whole thing about the affordability side of it, because tequila is inherently really expensive to make. It takes us nine years to grow our agave, basically, and that's where a lot of that cost sits and then the production afterwards. So it's not a cheap product to make, but there's still going to be this demand for the affordability side of things, right? And there's two ways of doing that. One is you make a really bad mix, though, which is what a lot of people are doing. Or secondly, Wait. you make... Oh, so I'm interrupting you here only because when you say make a bad mix, though... Again, to break it down a little bit, what are they mixing it with that makes it bad, but still yeah. drink, but still drinkable? You know, what are the things that that they put in it to make it so, bad, okay, or make so, it mixed up? Yeah. So, firstly, is the agave choice right? It's quite young okay. agave they'll use, not the best quality, which has problems. And if that's gone through a, a diffuser process, essentially, um, which means they can process it much younger, that's the side of the things that I'm allergic to. And the reality is, a lot. Of a lot of sites and processes do use that. And I've seen it as long as two years, two to three years have been used. And it's just, it's really, really bad, the quality of that agave. And it also has huge implications on the sustainability of the industry and all of the, the farmers and chimidors and all of the livelihoods that revolve around that. So there's that side of it. But then also the sugar side that they use, if they, if they are using full 49% that they're allowed to, it's where that's coming from. And quite often they're using a really low-grade, cheap, granulated sugar or a corn syrup or something like that, which is just 
terrible. Like it's really, really poor quality. So you, when you combine all this stuff together, suddenly you've just got this awful liquid. And to be honest, in my eyes, it doesn't even taste like tequila. I know it's what most people think tequila tastes like quite often because that's what they've had the shots on, but it's not what tequila tastes like. It's really not. Now, when you say a two-year-old agave or young agave, if it takes nine years to grow it, are they just like literally ripping it out of the ground and diffusing it or, you know, making yeah, so, something out of it? So agaves, especially in our region, so we, we especially with Avia, we, we go to the highland side of things. It's all the state owned by our distillery. Um, and it does, it takes nine years basically to grow and for the sugars to fully mature. And we, we monitor our, everything about our agave. We, we really look after our stuff and we, we manage the, and monitor the bricks content, which is the sugar content that goes, that, that starts to grow within the agave. And we look for it around about 28 which is quite high. It's only at that stage that we want to take it and then actually use it for, for a number of reasons. One, the quality side of things. It's really, really important. But two, again, is the sustainability side of things because it's only at this stage that actually you can then, because we keep about 10% of our agave to one side as well where we don't actually farm it. There's only at this stage then that those sugars are developed far enough that they can start to produce the flour that the agave will have. And if I, an agave only flowers once, right, and then it dies, and that's what it builds okay. that sugar up for. But it's only at that stage that you can cultivate the seeds for future generations. Agaves will replicate themselves. They will duplicate over their life period, but, but very slowly. Whereas when you start cultivating the seed side of stuff, actually it's much more sustainable for, for the plants themselves, but also the surrounding ecology and environment. It's also only at the stage that a lot of the wildlife will come and feed off it. So the bats will come in and feed off the, the flowers, the insects, they'll come in. Um, and that helps not just the agave, but also the surrounding land and crops and other wildlife, which is essential for, for the overall ecology of the, the situation. So that's why it's really critical to make sure that your agave is fully mature. It's not just the quality of your tequila. It's actually, it's much bigger picture than that. And that's that's what we really, really care about. And then also on that, that sugar side of things as well. So for example, we don't use a cheap granulated sugar. We don't use a corn syrup. We use, uh, it's piloncillo, which is basically a natural, it, it's a locally grown raw um, sugar, uh, natural sugar that's grown around the region. Uh, and almost actually, it's amazing stuff. It's great. And these are a lot of cooking and things over there. It almost has that hint of agave to it in itself. So if you distill that by itself and drink it, you kind of almost get that hint of it. But it's much more sustainable. It's better quality as well. It just delivers a better product. And the other, the other major thing from our perspective with El Sueño in particular is the blend that we have as well. So we still have 70% agave in our mixto. It's 70% agave and 30% piloncillo, which makes a huge, huge difference to the overall quality of the actual product, as well as the raw ingredients that go into it. And, and the way we got there, so... We, you're, you're, you're answering all my questions, by the way. Every time I think of a can't question, you're like, I'm on top of it. I got it. Because I was going to say, did you know immediately, okay, we're going to do 70-30? Or how long did, it, did that process of tasting take? That wasn't a quick process at all. It took quite a while. So we knew we had to, we wanted to, to make it affordable. That was one of the key reasons behind it. But also we weren't going to compromise on that quality and that sustainability side of stuff. So El Sueño isn't the cheapest tequila out there by any means, but it's definitely not the most expensive either. In the category we sit in, we say we sit in the premium end of that entry level side of things, basically. So we, we worked really hard on, on creating a flavor, a taste profile 
far that we, we really liked and was made from like our own ethos in terms of the sustainability and the quality. We then also then had to think about the pricing and that's when that mix came into it. So it's like, okay, well, where can we go? And to be honest, we wanted to put more and more agave into it. But at the same time, we wanted to make sure that we were still hitting that price point. Because the reason that was so important to us wasn't just because we wanted to create a cheap tequila so we could take that market, right? It wasn't That wasn't the point. Because one of the other big problems in the industry is is these the cheaper 100% agave brands that, that kind mm-hmm. of hide behind their badge, but then they operate and produce in a very questionable means. And this is where the diffuser comes into it. So we, we kind of made a bold statement and said, look, we have to go on this mixed air route. I think it's one of the only really sustainable ways of creating a, a good volume tequila that's high quality but is affordable. Because if we don't, and people keep on behind behind the 100% agave badge, and that's what they keep preaching to people. You have to do this. It's the only way to do it. What they actually end up doing is they go, well, we've got to cut our costs somewhere, right? And the way to do that is farm really young agave and produce it in much higher bulk. So mm-hmm. they create these things called diffusers, which is what allows you to process your agave from, from as, as young as two years. They don't even cook it, right? It's not like we cook ours in clay ovens uh, still, whereas they don't. It's like a chemical process, basically, to extract the sugar. So they can cook it a lot younger. They can actually extract way more sugar from the agave as well than, than traditional methods will allow. And all that means is they just keep on reducing their cost whilst hiding behind the Somerset agave badge and basically destroying the industry. So we had to say, look, we know we're going to get bashed a little bit when we say we're bringing out a, a quality mixto because of that mixto badge. But it's like, but I really believe in what we're doing. Like, I, I really trust in that. So we've kind of got to put our, our money where our mouth is, really, and, and, and stick with it and go out there and do this. And we've been really fortunate that actually the, the tide's turning a little bit on that as well. And actually, we've been surprised how easy it is to have conversations with people that are really reputable in the industry and bars that are fantastic around tequila going, no, you guys are doing this right. This is exactly what needs to happen. <laughs> Did you know immediately what you wanted to mix do it with? So, <laughs> so, yeah. so how did you know where to start on that side? Was it from your, your history working with Gabby uh, Syrup? Literally exactly that, right? So I built up a fair bit of knowledge and I don't claim to know everything because I don't and I'm learning every single day and I try and speak to as many people as I can in the industry and, and experts um, on the ground over there. But we, we took the advice that we that was available to us and, and literally what well at the time was probably about 11 or 12 years of, of my experience in the sector. We made the decision quite early doors that we we're going to use Piloncillo because it's it is a great quality sugar. Uh, it's local. It carries the the flavors that we wanted it to carry as well. It's much more sustainable. It means we can we can grow from an environmental point of view in a sustainable and farm sustainable way. But also we can help give back to the local industry. It's like we're keeping the money there. For example, we're not going somewhere that's just processing mass corn syrup or mass sugar from another country or whatever and, and importing and exporting we're not doing any of that we're keeping it in the local the local region mm-hmm. so there, was, there was quite a number of factors in there but the decision was quite an easy one for us yeah and was it always going to be a silver tequila at first because you have two right you have a gold and a silver that's it, yeah. So so everything stems from the silver tequila. The silver's like your raw tequila. It's the same as in Vivir, it's like our Blanco. It's like it's your blueprint, right? You have to get that right before you can do anything else. So that's what all of our emphasis went into. 
And then our gold tequila is just our, our silver tequila, but it's rested for up to a month, basically, in, in our oak bourbon casks. And that's what brings it that slight color and that slightly sweeter, more complex complex note to it. But it's not rested for very long. And that was kind of the point. We didn't want to... We probably will go down the route of creating a reposado. But to call it a reposado, it has to been rested for at least two months. But we don't rest it for that long. For, for two reasons. Again, like we, it was not the, the way we wanted to go. We wanted to keep that almost core raw tequilaness to it. And secondly, was the costings, right? The second we start to get to that stage of things, the pricing does actually increase quite substantially. And then it starts going against what we're trying to do here for the the whole um, sector. Now, back to the Blanco. How long did it take you till you got that 70, 30 perfect? And you were like, yes, this is it. This is what I I, I want to drink. It was genuinely about a year. <laughs> oh boy, that long. Yeah, yeah, it's not quick. It was about the same for Vivir as it was for El Sueño. And we literally went through probably about 100 different iterations of the actual product before we got there. I'm simplifying the process a little bit as well. I, I don't claim to be a distiller at all because I'm not. We've, we've got a great master distiller that we work really closely with. But I'm one of those guys that, not a control freak, but I like to be involved as much as possible. I'm an engineer at heart, right? That's what I am. So I like to understand things and really get behind things. And that's one of the great things about distilling is this process is, is pretty simple, but actually there's all these little points of, of uh, like these touch points, these different variables that you can tweak and change. And that's what we did. We kept tweaking and changing them. Things like the um, the temperature we distill at, the, the process we go through, the size of the containers, the yeast even, like the yeast we have is our own proprietary yeast that we, we ended up bringing in. All of these little things that end up making a different product and we kept trialing and error until we got to the final product basically and with it with the mix though it's it even slightly more complex as well because we did have that mix then right of what what's the, the blend gonna be so yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> when you got to your like a hundredth did you know it right away did you think oh yeah yeah this is it or did your master distiller say i think i think we've got it yeah, like it'd be nice to have a story in the suddenly knew. Yeah, it's like it wasn't quite like that. <laughs> um, it was. We, we knew. We, we knew we were close, right? Like we, uh-huh. we were really comfortable with this. We we really liked the flavor profile. It almost got to the point where it's like an artist, right? With a painting, it's like when's that final brushstroke? <laughs> and I think we we kind of got to that process a little bit, and we just like got. We're just tweaking this and changing this for the sake of it now. Like it was good, probably thirty iterations ago. Right. And we're just yeah do we keep doing this or do we just make a decision and let's make this happen <laughs> now tell me about its name why did you call it what you did so El Sueño yeah it's an interesting one so uh, I do all of our branding and everything and create all of our brand names and design the bottles and all of that type of stuff and um, I'd, I'd already created Vivir right the brand and the bottle and I had the vision of that literally on day one like three years before we even came to market but with Sueño we didn't do any of that we had nothing we created the liquid and the liquid was literally in clear bottles and that's what it was we didn't think about the brand because at the time we didn't think about bringing it to market straight away and it wasn't until basically Vivi was doing so well as an upsell premium tequila in places that historically had never sold premium tequila so like pubs and places like that they would just came to us and said guys like you're smashing it like you finally telling like showing people how to drink this stuff properly and people are loving it like tequila and tonics tequila and ginger ale really simple serves so 
their next question was like, can you support the entry level, like the house poor and do the education there as well? Because if you do that, then it's like a natural organic flow through, right? Then they'll eventually mm-hmm. go on the premium side as well. So we were like, oh, yeah, yeah, actually, we created something. Like, this might be of interest to you. And we, we brought our tequila over in clear bottles and just gave it out and did loads of blind taste testing. And people were like, this stuff is amazing. Like, this is awesome. When can we buy it? And we were like, ah, we don't even have a brand for this, right? <laughs> I very quickly um, went back and went, right, I'm going to make something here. And I was just sitting there. And literally, it was like, I... It's a separate brand from Vivir, but I kind of want it to flow. I want there to be some connection. And Vivir means to live, right? And we felt like we were living the dream, and that's what we kept on saying. And I was like, we should just call it the dream. Like, call it El Sueño. That makes sense, right? So then it's like that nice little tie into live the dream over the two brands. And that's where the title came from. And then the brand kind of flowed in from there. So I wanted to just keep it quite contemporary, but we're still like doffing his cap to the traditional Mexican side. Even though the name of the script and stuff is meant to be a bit like a Mexican street art and that type of stuff. And with the skirts mm-hmm. on the back. So the brand kind of organically came around the name once we, we had it. But yeah, that's, that's how we got there. Now, when you were making this, were you thinking about specific cocktails you wanted made from it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Like I, I've because I've been drinking tequila for a long time, and I've got my my way of drinking it, and that's what we always pushed from the education point of view. It's about how to drink good quality tequila in, in the best way, and not just doing shots. If you want to do shots of it, that's absolutely fine, right? But do shots with good stuff. That's what we always say. So when we started working with places, there's all the traditional side. Obviously, you have your traditional margaritas and um, your twists on that, or your Palomas or Diablos or whatever they may be. And they're great. And, and Sueño works really, really well in all of those. But we wanted to show it in, in more simple serves as well, because that's the other side is like, it was for the European market, right? It was for the UK. And we do drink things differently over here as they do in the States, where, where tequila is huge. And things like gin and tonic are massive over here and, and rum and ginger ale. And, and tequila just lends itself so well to those those type of long, simple serves as well. So that was one of our biggest wins really early doors is, go, is going to places. We actually went to gin and tonic events, one of the things we did. Uh, with the all the spirit there. And we were like, guys, right, you're going to drink some tequila? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah tequila party. Let's do shots. Like, no, 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 you're not doing any shots. You're going to have <laughs> gin and tonic. And, and the thing is, people, instead of going, oh, no, no, I don't like it, I don't like that, they were like, oh, oh yeah, I like tonic because I drink gin and tonic. So, yeah, it's not, it's not too far away from what I used to. I'll give it a go. Try it and instantly, nearly, nearly 100% of the time, people are like, wow, why don't we drink this like this? Like, mm-hmm. why have you told us to do this? So it's like an instant win for us. And then we took that to the, the on-trade. That became like quite a big win quite early doors there as well for us. In the, in the short period of, of bars being open when we launched Wenyo. But we did some tie-ins with some great mixer companies as well and, and just did simple serves on menus. But then we also don't presume to know everything about uh, like a bar's customer base, for example. We'll listen to those guys and we'll work really closely with them. And that's one of the great things that we've learned as well. We feel quite like privileged and honored is we do own tequila brand and there's not many people on the ground in the uk that can say that and actually when we go into bars the bartenders and the managers are quite they're quite excited to meet us because they don't get to meet founders of an actual tequila brand quite often over here so then we like get to know them personally and then we're like right cool let's make some drinks together and then we'll just like craft things and come up with really cool ideas and takes on margaritas or whatever it is or spins on classics so classics that use other spirits like like old fashions or martinis espresso martinis are amazing just replace the vodka with tequila it's awesome right 
tequila just brings more substance to it. And so that was a big win for us as well. But yeah, we, we love working with the guys in the bars and, and seeing what they create with it. Uh, oh my God. Yeah. I've never even thought of doing an espresso martini with tequila. And uh, because I love, I love a margarita so much. It really is my favorite, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite cocktails, but yeah. I will definitely have to try that. Now for the home bartenders, what do you think is the first thing they should do with it? I honestly think sit, do a simple serve. It's the best way to, to enjoy it because because the great thing about it as well, like I love cocktails, don't get me wrong. I, I make cocktails all day long and, and all weekend. But you quite often, you're adding quite a lot of different things to it, right? Four or five or, or six or different ingredients. And most people can't then identify the individual ingredients when they're drinking it, right? Go, oh, that's definitely got a rum in it. That's definitely got a, an, an aged tequila in it or something. So I say when you're first going to enjoy it, enjoy it in a way that you're used to, i.e. gin tonic or if a rum and ginger is your thing. But... But keep it simple because you get to experience the taste of the tequila in that as well then. And and again, something that you're familiar with. So something you drink it, you go, oh, yeah, I know it's in a tonic. But oh, yeah, wow, okay, there's that thing in the background. That's what tequila is. I get it. I totally get it, right? And then that's what, from my perspective, definitely excites people in those early days. And then get some really curious to try different stuff. And then the world's your oyster, right? Go nuts. Do whatever you want. Go crazy with your cocktails. And right, start with a margarita, probably. <laughs> now, when you say this, the simple serve with tonic or ginger ale, should they garnish it with anything special? Yeah. So there's there's a few ways you can do this so i if i'm if i'm just making a standard one right i'll just get a wedge of lime and i'll squeeze it and i'll put it in because that's like lime and tequila is like a match made in heaven as far as i'm concerned but other things as well like you can be quite like they're quite versatile it's a really versatile spirit and you can be quite open to different opportunities in that so grapefruit for example pink grapefruit goes amazingly well so just get a big slice of that squeeze a little bit in and put that in as it is straight away it tastes fantastic and and even like you can you can go a little bit off piece sometimes as well like a sprig of rosemary and things like that as well in similar veins that you would do with a gin and tonic like that slightly more savory side because that's something else that tequila does bring to the table like you can make savory drinks with it so actually it carries that sweetness to it because of garve sugars that's what it's made from but it naturally has that sort of peppery side to it as well. So it mm. does work the savory, the savory arena. Well, like a Bloody Maria, right? Instead of Bloody Mary, again, replace the vodka with tequila. It's amazing. It's like, it just, it transforms the entire drink. <laughs> oh my God, my tequila bottle, it's going to be gone in about two, two <laughs> seconds. Now, how about, and I know we never think about drinking tequila or tequila cocktails in the winter. Have you thought about those hot toddy type hot drinks or wintry drinks and change them to have tequila in them? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, a hot toddy for starters anyway, just works really well. Again, just put put a tequila in there. I definitely choose the gold Elsuena there, so that's slightly more complex than going into it. But you'll probably like this one. But one of my favorites that I make quite often is a warm, spiced uh, apple margarita. It's amazing. Mm. <laughs> it's so easy to make as well. It's so easy to make. <laughs> because, you know, as I just took the sip of the margarita, even though it's full of lime, it does have that green apple finish that yeah. I'm tasting. Uh, definitely. You 100% you do. And and with Suenio in particular, like our silver, like on blind taste tests when we've done with like professionals and stuff, one of the notes they always pick out is like green apples. Green apples uh -huh. and fresh grass, that's what they always say. So it, that's where this idea came from, right? So we, we got the cloudy apple juice, like locally made, because I live in Somerset, it's just like spider country. There's orchards everywhere, amazing apple juice. So we bought some of that. 
got some cinnamon and a cinnamon stick, a little bit of lime still. I still put a little tweak of lime in. You can if you want to or not. You can put a garve syrup in there if you want. I don't tend to. But then, yeah, mix it up with that and, and heat your apple juice up beforehand. And that's it. It's so easy to pour into a glass. It's the same glass you've got there. And if you want to be, <laughs> be really cheeky with it, which I, I enjoy doing as well, instead of salting the rim, make your, your mix. So get a little bit of brown sugar, um, a little bit of cinnamon, and just a little bit of salt. Ooh. And it's like, wipe a lime around the top and dip it in that it's amazing and drink it through that it's awesome <laughs> oh my god that sounds so incredible it's tasty Sound, it is you know speaking of salt you brought it up and i interviewed pratesh modi of world of zing and he is a huge margarita fan but we both hate salt <laughs> on a glass yeah, and yeah. so we, I never have it. That's why he added nori into his own margarita mix. But do you have any suggestions to have something other than salt on the rim? Yeah, it depends on what drink you're having, right? So you, you can be really adventurous for this. And I think it's about putting on there what you actually enjoy. So I do, I do like a salt. I, I wouldn't put it on a, on a Tommy's because a Tommy just has that bit more sweetness to it, right? And my classic margaritas that I make, I don't put agave syrup in them. So a little tiny bit of salt around there, but I only ever do half the glass as well, half the rim. Mm. So the half isn't coated in case I don't want it. But if you want to be adventurous with it, you can try different things. So if you're doing uh, like ooh, blood orange margarita, for example, awesome. We did a mulled margarita as well, which had some tropical fruit in it. and had pineapple in there as well. It was amazing. And we made a, did it, it might have had a little bit of salt in it, I can't remember now, but it was cinnamon. It was a cinnamon base that we put around the top. But again, only half of it because cinnamon can be quite, quite full on as well. But it brings out, especially with the blood orange, like, Blood orange and cinnamon is a really nice combo. <laughs> it just works really, really well. But you can be like adventurous with it. Like there's whatever you like. Like throw a bit of parsley on there. Why not? <laughs> and you're going to the beach and you're taking your batter with you. What would be your your favorite simple beach cocktail to make? Oh, I'd I'd go with a Paloma all day. I make mine with tonic though as well. So wow. I, mine is like a 50 mil server or silver tequila, so El Sueño Silver, a tiny amount of uh, agave syrup, so probably about 10 mil of that. And then I will, I tend to put a little bit of lime in as well, so about 10 mil of lime, 10, 15 mil of lime, and then half grapefruit, fresh grapefruit juice, then half tonic water, Ooh. like that straight Indian tonic water. Yeah, not soda. Soda works well, but Indian tonic just brings something more to it. I love tequila and tonic, like TNTs anyway. But that honestly is the most refreshing drink as far as I'm concerned. It's just it's barbecue season all over that for me. Oh, I think I've now picked your brain for every single cocktail that you could ever make with tequila. So I'm going to leave you with the last question that I always ask. If you could be anywhere drinking anything right now, where would that be? I know exactly where I'd be. <laughs> Might sound a bit cheesy, but there's this bar in Vegas, right? <laughs> oh my God, that was so surprising. That was not what I was thinking, but go ahead. I know, I know. It's, it, it wouldn't normally be my answer either, but basically I was meant to be getting married um, in oh. 2020. 
like a lot of people it got cancelled then it was meant to be beginning of this year and that got cancelled again but I was meant to be going with my friends to Vegas um, for a party and there's one bar called Vista Bar there and they just make this the, the guys in there know so much about agave like I just go I love going in and having a conversation I can chat to them for hours and they make this one margarita it's a, it's a blend so it's half tequila and half mezcal that they put in it but it's just fantastic it's amazing and I've been, I was talking to it all about my friends, like at the end of 2019, going into 2020, and it's, everyone's like, "Yeah, it's gonna be amazing. We can't wait to try it." And then, no, it didn't happen. So literally, <laughs> we've been talking about it for well, a year and a half, and then we just keep on waiting. So whenever people ask me that question straight away, all I can think of is that margarita in Bar Vista in Caesar's Palace. <laughs> well, I can't wait for you to get there already, and good luck Hopefully, getting married. Yeah. It was so great to talk about Mixto, about El Sueño, about everything. So thanks for so much for being on the show. No worries. Thanks for having me. It's been, been really fun. Thanks so much to Paul for being here to explain Mixto Tequila and teach us how to drink El Sueño. And also for mixing up some mean margaritas. Speaking of margaritas, it's time for our Cocktail of the Week. Tommy's Margarita was only invented in the 90s, but it has become a classic all over the world. Diverging from the standard margarita recipe, Tommy's replaces the triple sec with agave nectar. Here's Tommy's Margarita made the El Sueño way. Add all of these ingredients to a shaker. 60 mils of El Sueño gold tequila, 30 mils fresh lime juice, and 15 mils agave syrup. Add ice and then shake, shake, shake. Pour into a tumbler loaded with ice, then garnish with a slice of lime. Yum. If you live in the UK, you can find El Sueño at masterofmalt.com. You'll find this recipe, more margarita recipes, and all the cocktails of the week at alushlifemanual.com where you'll also find all the ingredients in our shop. After 10 weeks, they've postponed my vaccine until the day I'm supposed to fly home. How maddening is that? I now can't get home to see my folks for another week. This is getting really boring. But if you live for Lush Life, make sure you head out to the bars and restaurants you love and tell them how much you love them. The music for Lush Life is by Stephen Shapiro and used with permission. And Lush Life is always and will be forever produced by Evo Terra and Simpler Media Productions. Which leads me to say the wise words of Oscar Wilde, all things in moderation, including moderation. And always drink responsibly and wash your hands and wear a mask. And they're off! Next week, we're learning how to drink one of the most iconic cocktails in the world, the mint julep, just in time for the derby. Until that time, bottoms up. <laughs>